of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to them. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions, the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith, of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by waves of and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped when each part is working properly makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. This is God's word. Dear gracious Father, Lord God, we just thank you for allowing us to come together on this this beautiful spring Sunday morning. And Lord, we love you. We honor you. Lord, we just thank you for Lord, we just praise you because you're a risen king, Lord. And Lord, we just thank you for what you're doing in his body. Lord, how you gifted us and allowed us to serve. And Lord, I just pray that you will allow uh, uh, me to be able to encourage uh, the saints um, by preaching and teaching what you have communicated to us through your word. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, and may you and you alone receive all the glory. Amen. Amen. How's everybody doing today? Good, good. good. My name is Alvin. I'm one of the elders here at MacGav Community Church. And for those of you who are visiting, I say uh, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And um, just a few things. Behind your pews are uh, a Bible and notes and, and a pen. So feel free to take advantage of that. Also here. Uh, if you have any questions as I'm teaching, uh, need clarity on, please feel free to raise your hand and ask. Um, but make sure it, it's something that you think, um, if it's something personal or whatever type of question, you know, say that for afterwards. And we'll have elders and myself up here uh, after the service, and we'll be happy to um, uh, clarify or answer those questions. But again, if you have any uh, questions, Feel free to raise your hands. Amen. What is our vision? Mac Avs. Amen. Amen. All right. You know, I was, um, see, there you go. There you go to answer. Seeing communities transformed both spiritually and physically, starting with our own. Now, I know a lot of times churches have, well, most churches, right, have vision statements. But have you ever just sat back and, and just, I guess, thought of, of the vision in the context of how big it is? Right. You know, sometimes we read it and it sounds like, yeah, that sounds cool. Got a little rhythm starting with our own. But this is a huge, huge vision. What do you say? Whether it's here in our community or in the suburbs of Gross Point or somewhere in rural America to kind of come to a community and say, you know what? We want to see this community transformed. Right. And we don't even say community. We say communities, plural. So we are really um, asking or really kind of we got some big hopes and big dreams. And that's cool. Right. Amen. So how are you doing with this vision? Are you um, excited? Are you frustrated? You know, sometimes ministry could be a really slow 
go. Um, and we could begin to just kind of see this vision and it just kind of become like the cool cliche, but it really is not resonating. You know, it's really kind of somewhat a foul cabinet type of a vision. I don't know. I mean, I go through these things. In fact, I was going, I am in a season, right? And I'm glad I came across this passage of a season of just kind of thinking like, Lord, what's up with this? Right? What's, what's going on with my community? You know? And so, but it's not just me asking these questions and it's not just our church to have this type of vision but this is a vision that a lot of people in our community historically have held. You know, earlier, well, a couple of weeks ago, was it last week? Uh, anybody familiar with the rapper Nipsey Hussle? Yeah. Right? You could raise your hand high. I'm not going to judge you. All right? <laughs> well, Nipsey Hussle, I haven't listened to any of his music, but I've heard a lot about him through interviews and um, things of that nature. And he's a, a, a young man. Well, he actually was shot and killed uh, a couple of weeks ago. And it was this week? Okay, you know what? I, I had my hand in the Bible, and so I've kind of lost. <laughs> it's so All right. But he passed away, and um, a lot of people in our community are mourning his loss. I think they had a big... Uh, vigil. Uh, where was it? Downtown somewhere? Um, and so he was a, a very impactful brother in our community. And one of the things that I think a lot of people really appreciated about him and was encouraged by him was that he was someone that was, in a sense, transforming or reforming his life. Um, he wanted to be positive. And not only that, but he also wanted to see his community transformed or reformed and he was really big into um right uh both spiritual and economic uplift now he wasn't a christian but by but through god's common grace he was able to have a positive impact and so it just kind of reminded me of just not just him but this is big talk right now in the community in the movies in our music um, of this ideal of building our community, whether it is dealing with the emotional pain that comes along with uh, hundreds of years of, of racial traumatic um, trauma or um, just the, uh, the lack of economics. And so there's just a lot of people who, like us, want to see the community transformed both spiritually and physically. And so that really just got me to thinking like, okay, right? It's, it's that, that there's this ideal of uplift going on in the community. And like, what is our response as the church? How do we somewhat put our, our hat, you know, into the game? Now, historically, the black church, as we talked about through Black History Month, has been the center of life in the black community. But over time, that's not the case anymore. And so it's not as easy as it used to be for us to minister and just kind of plant a church and think people are going to come. Because there's all these other ideals that's out there that, that people are gravitating to. And so what I want to do is with the little time that I have here today is I want to encourage us through God's plan for transformation for a community and for who ourselves, right? Amen. And so we go to the first verse, but grace was given to each one of us according to the measure of Christ's gift. How many of you realize or even just thought about like we are gifted? There's a lot of organizations out there with a lot of talented people that are doing a great work. But how but the difference between them and us is that we are a, a gifted people. 
And I don't know about you, but sometimes I forget about this giftedness. Sometimes I can look at people who are doing great things in the streets and be like, man, I wish that I was able to to talk about economic wealth or talk about social injustice. And like, I see all these like brilliant minds that are out there speaking. And I'm kind of like, ah, it gets kind of intimidating. Right. I don't know. Am I the only one? Right. But the thing is that we are a gifted people. There was a singer named Nina Simone and she had wrote a song a while back called Young, Gifted, and Black. And in this song, it it says, we must begin to tell our young, there's a world waiting for you. This is a quest that just begun. When you feel really low, yeah, there's great truth you should know. When you're young, gifted, and black, your soul is intact. Now, we all not black, right? And we're all not young, Right. Hey. <laughs> Amen. But we all are what? Gifted. And the beautiful thing about this this gift is that a spiritual gift that when we are born again, first of all, let's think about our first birth, right? We are born. And Psalms 139 it says we are Fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen. And when we're born, we're born, you know, we're created in the image of God and we have value, dignity, purpose and worth. Uh, And we also have talents. Right. Because God wants us to be able to impact the world and to be able to add value to the world. Right. On a physical level, you know, because we are born sinners. Amen. But when we're born, we have these these talents. And it's the same thing when we become born again and we are uh, regenerated and awakened by the Holy Spirit. And that when we come to a place where we recognize. And I think we go back to Ephesians 2, where we just talk about we were dead and our trespasses and sins and just following the ways of the world. But God came and intervened and awakened us and quickened us with his Holy Spirit so that we would be able to recognize who Christ is and who he is and to understand who we are, that we are sinful people in need of a savior. And we talked about just all the riches and grace and mercy and just all the access that we have as Christians. And one of those things that we we get is a spiritual gift. And let's see. Uh, oh, in First Peter ten through eleven, it says, "As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speak as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. And so each one of us have a gift. And in this scripture, we see that there's speaking gifts or teaching gifts, and then there's service gifts. And so every one of us, When you came to this church, you had something to offer. Every one of us have something to offer, whether you are an elder, a deacon, a worship leader, or maybe today is your first day and you just found Jesus. You have something to offer this local body. And guess what? We need you. And as elders, what we're doing is we're spending time kind of contextualizing uh, and trying to create a structure that will allow our church to to flourish as well as to be able to better engage our community. But the beautiful thing about uh, this passage of scripture, we could flip to the next one, is that God is at work on spiritually contextualizing us. You see, we can kind of come up with beautiful structures of human of how to flourish and grow. But then there's also 
Christ who is reconciling us to him, to the father, and then reconciling us to one another and then bringing us and planting us in different uh, local assemblies where he gives you a certain measure of grace. And when the scripture talks about him giving us a certain measure of grace, some people are gifted differently. Maybe some are higher I guess sometimes people say higher level as far as like, you know, there are certain teachers where I hear them teach and I go, wow, that dude can teach. All right. Just like when you hear someone sing, you'd be like, that girl can sing. Right. You know, sometimes it's like that with the giftings. But we are all responsible and to be a steward of what gift that God gives us. And Jesus Christ gives us exactly what we need to be on mission In this community that when you came to this church, you thought you were just simply looking for a church that whatever you was looking for and you you came here. But I think it was in God's grace and his sovereignty that he brought you here because there was something that we needed. There was something about your giftings and your talent that was needed here for us to be able to have an impact. And so first, as we think about transforming our communities, beginning with our own, I want you to be reminded that we are a gifted people. And we're going to talk about that, get into that a little more later. Now, the next verse. Therefore, it says, when he ascended on high, he led a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Verse nine. And saying he ascended, what does it mean but that he had also descended into the lower regions of the earth? He who descended is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. Amen. What this passage of scripture is talking about is is really talking about the humiliation and the exaltation of Christ. His His humiliation is what we celebrate during Advent. The incarnation, the fact that Jesus Christ left heaven to come to the the lower regions, to come to this earth. There's some people that feel like when he was crucified, he went into, when it says lower regions, that he went into hell for a time to kind of battle. Um, I don't ascribe to that. I think really what this is saying is that heaven, right, is, is another sphere. And when you look down at just kind of from a cosmos type of way, you know, the earth is that lower, that lower level. You know, Paul talked about going to the third heaven. And so we kind of just have that type of, you know, imagery going here. But what we see is that we had this this savior who came down to to accomplish salvation for us. And he did it through suffering He did it through, first of all, modeling to us what it is to love the Lord with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and to love ourselves, um, and to love our neighbor as we love ourselves. He went through all type of suffering, every suffering that we go through ourselves. And it looked like he was defeated when he died that death on the cross. But we know that's not true because he risen, he rose on the third day. And so when it talks about him descending, it's talking about him coming to the earth uh, to battle for our salvation. But the beautiful thing is we're going to celebrate during Easter is what? That he rose. And not only did he rose, but he also ascended. And what is so sweet about this passage of scripture is Paul is teaching and he's ministering or he's writing this letter from the prison. He kind of contextualized this in a way where. Uh, the Jews will understand this prophecy because what it, we just read in verse eight and nine was actually uh, Psalm sixty-eight, eighteen, where it was this prophecy of God. Well, what we see is God leading His people to victory, right? And so this was kind of an image of what we would see Christ doing. Uh, God ascended to the top of Mount Zion. Here we have Jesus who ascended into the heavens. And so what's cool about this is, and this is kind of extra, where we have, uh, from an apologetic level, you know, this is one of those scriptures that kind of points to Jesus' divinity. Because we see in Psalm 68 where it's clearly referring to God and here 
that same language is referring to Jesus. And so as you knock on the door, as you get a knock from the Jehovah Witness or the Mormons or you run into a black Hebrew Israelites, you can have this one locked and loaded. Amen. But what it tells us is that the spiritual gifts that we came, that the source was Christ and they came by way of his victory. Right. That these gifts are victorious gifts. And the picture is, is almost like a king coming after conquering um, a country and he comes into his his native land and he's got his Roman soldiers with them. And he's coming in victorious and people are praising him and they're just singing of how dope he is and like all these other things. And he is giving them the victories, the spoils of victory as they are chanting him and praising him. And so it's the same thing with Jesus Christ that he ascended and part of his um, victory was these gifts. Right. We get the spoils of his victory. This is what we've been talking about during Ephesians one, during Ephesians two. Amen. And so more about the victories or the gifts. You can go back and check out those uh, um, chapters. And so we get these gifts by way of Jesus Christ's victory. And one of the things just to kind of remind us that we are gifted, but we are also a victorious people. You know, again, we could kind of look and see everything that's going on in our community and we could just see the drama that's going on. And sometimes it gets slow and I watch the news and I see what's going on on a national level and evangelicalism and just all the tension and just everything. And I'm just like, I don't know how we're going to make it through it. Right. I'm kind of waiting for the season finale (laughs) because I don't know how this is going to work. And you could become defeated. But here we're reminded that we are a victorious people. And that victorious motif, I don't know if you listen to a lot of, I guess, popular preaching. Um, it's in the black, it's in the white community, but I'm in the hood, so I'm going to speak to it going on in the black community. That there's a lot of preaching that talks about victory. Achieving your victory, being triumphant, right? Overcoming your haters, you know, not allowing anything to get in way and to uh, claim your blessings, right? This this thing of of claiming your blessings and grabbing on your blessings and just all these other things is just coming and it's so strong and it's so thick. And a lot of our uh, a lot of these popular preachers, you know, you go on YouTube or social media, you see the clips. And they're always talking about victory on an individual level. So it's about victory, about your quality of life, about your purpose. And a lot of people buy into it, right? But the thing is, is that when you talk about victory and you talk about being victorious, we're not here laboring so that we can have individual victory, right? We're not laboring so that we could see ourselves come up on a personal level. And, and we're not seeking victory over our haters. In fact, scripture tells us to, to love our haters. But unfortunately, this type of preaching is just so thick. And is, I think it's one of those things that we don't talk about it a lot, but it's crippling a lot of churches because they become these insular buildings and institutions and they're everything but living a victorious life. But Jesus Christ leaves left. He ascended and then he left us with these gifts, right? He uh, being empowered by the Holy spirit. Amen. And so now that as a ministry, we can be victorious, we could continue to expand his kingdom. And so. So we get gifts on the individual level. Each one of us have a gift. But then we also get the gift of gifted individuals to lead the body of Christ. 
verse 10. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers. All right. And so here we have what? One, two, three, four. Some people say five. Right? Now, this is not an exhaustive list of the spiritual gifts. But these are those things that are like really foundational to building the body. First, we have the apostles and the prophets. Now, apostle means messenger. And in a narrow sense, you know, you could say that there's apostles still here today. We would say lowercase a, apostle. I think, even though this is not lowercase, but I think what Paul had in mind here was the 12, including himself. Those apostles, those men who were discipled, taught by Christ, um, who was commissioned by the Lord to preach the word, uh, to plant churches. They were men who had seen Christ in the resurrection. They had power to perform miracles as a means of conforming their message. They preached together with the New Testament prophets. Their ministry was primarily concerned with the foundation of the church. The apostles referred to in the passage means only those who were. Um, yep, oh, I read too far. Right. So here we have the apostles and the prophets. And these again, these prophets aren't prophets in the far as. There's prophecy where you're kind of just proclaiming what's already written. All right. But then there's the thus saith the Lord prophets that when they speak like it is coming from the Lord. So I can get up here and give a prophetic utterance. Right. And I say, I got a vision to build a swimming pool across the street. Right. Lord laid that on my heart. Now you got the right to. Rock with that or not, right? But if but if a prophet truly said that, it would be we would be disobedient to listen to him. Um, and so again, there's the foretelling, and then there's the proclaiming. And so these prophets, and again, we have a lot of people that's out here in the streets claiming to be prophets, claiming to have a new revelation for the Lord, claiming to have some special insight that no one else have. But God did give us apostles and he gave us prophets to kind of lay that foundation. And then the next group, we have the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teaching. The evangelists are, are those who, um, they're mobile, Right. They go out into the world. They're preaching the gospel. Um, they're proclaiming truth. Um, when we talk about going and making disciples, there's there's two. There's two ways that play out. Right. There's the going of making disciples when you're preaching in order to see people come to faith. Right. So you're going out there and teaching them all that God command in order that they will come to see Jesus Christ as the Lord. And so that's a discipleship that you're going out, you're instructing, you're teaching. Um, this is evangelizing so that they may come to a place of faith. Then there's the discipleship that comes with maturing you in faith. Does that make sense? Right. And so the evangelists are the ones that goes out. They're all about proclaiming, engaging, um, just dealing with the, you know, a lot of times with apologetics in our community, urban apologetics. And they're looking to bring people to, into the house of the Lord. And then the shepherds and the teachers are the ones who, whether you look at it as two separate gifts right here, some people would think that when it says shepherds and teachers, that is um, two different things. You have pastors and teachers, or that is one, pastor, teacher. And so we look at Leon. I think it's easy to say that he's a pastor, teacher. He's gifted as a pastor, and he's gifted as uh, a teacher. Some people would say that that's just one gift. Um, so you can get a Greek, go ahead and get you a Greek dictionary and all that other great stuff, and you can kind of process through that in your mad groups, all right? But he gives us 
evangelists and he gives us pastors. He gives us teachers uh, that and their job is equipping us to do the work of the ministry. Now, I want you to think about that. They equipping us to do the work of the ministry. Again, we have these great gifted individuals and they're laboring, but the ministry is not on their shoulders. Amen. But their job is to equip us. And that word equipping usually means fixing something that's broken. Or supplying something that is lacking. Right. And we see that word play out in Matthew 421. And going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets. And he called them. And so that word equipping here. Mending um, means fixing something that is broken. First Thessalonians 3 and 10, it says, as we pray most earnestly. As we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see your face to show, see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. And so it's about broken it's about mending what is broken, and it's about um, uh, supplying what is lacking in your faith. And so we see the evangelist is basically going out, and he can't do the work all on his own. He's not the shepherd. He's not the teacher. You know, he's not the congregation, right? Um, it's not about just communicating the gospel. People come to Jesus, and you like deuces. Right. The, the goal is to get them settled into a local community, a local body. You know, at work, I've been blessed to be able to minister to different co-workers. And that's one of the things as when, you know, they come to me and may want counseling in a certain area. And I'm always telling them, look, I can't be all like I'm not enough. My counseling is not that dope. Right. And I see myself as ministering to them, sharing the gospel with them. I may do a little of the mending of some of the brokenness uh, in order to help them to see that it is Jesus Christ that they need to run to. That he is the one where they will find peace and healing and hope. Right. That's me working as an evangelist. But the thing that I'm really also trying to do is get them settled in a local congregation because I know that's where they're going to truly be able to grow and to truly be able to flourish and truly able to see their lives transformed. Amen. And so the job of, of these leaders is to equip the body rather going out seeking um, the lost or once bringing them in building and equipping them to do the work of the ministry. So verse 13, it says, until we all attain the unity of the faith, knowledge of the son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And so again, that equipping looks like the look like uh, bringing people to the body, to a unity of faith and knowledge. Meaning, who is the Lord and what he is like? You know, when we first hear the gospel, a lot of times there's something about God's character that drew us. For me, I was buck wild. And so God as a perfect judge was the thing that really um, led me to bow the knee, right? Led me to like repent. I, grace came along later. <laughs> But it was one of those things where I just felt like, man, if I continue in the way that I'm going now, I'm going to Hades with gasoline clothes on. You know what I mean? But then as I got and I understood Jesus loves me, I understood that God so loved the world part. But that perishing part, that was really heavy on me. And so I always operated out of out of fear of being condemned by the Lord, which wasn't healthy, but it was in 
the body of Christ, first of all, it was pastors caring for me, teaching me what grace is, loving me, and then also me being in community. Again, that community is so important. And if we want to see our community transform, we need to make sure that we are being faithful in the community that God has given us with one another. Amen. And so what the pastor want to do is, that, again, whether it's me and kind of a hell, was a hellfire brimstone type of gospel that I was kind of believing in. I knew the Lord. I wanted to repent and walk away from my life. I wanted to, to love him, but I, I, I quite I didn't understand fully who he was. Some of us, you know, we just see Jesus as love, love, love. And it's that love that drew us to him. And and now we need to, you know, sit up under um, gifted men to to learn about who Jesus is really like. And so that we could come to an understanding of who he is. Also, uh, maturity. That's that spiritual growth, that sanctification process. Again, you know, I think about Marilyn and I marriage and we, I was struggling. I went to, I mean, some people might look at Marilyn and say, she's so lucky to have Alvin. Um, okay. Now I didn't like that laugh, you know, there's like, the, ha, 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 but then it's like guttural, like, ha, <laughs> And then they in the same group, so I'm like, well, man, what I'm doing? Now I'm all self-conscious. Anyway. All right, stop laughing. All right. But I remember I went to marital counseling. Well, I went to, uh, I went to marriage conference. I read books. I listened to sermons. You know, I knew how to theologically be a husband. And... You know, and I was just like, I don't know what's wrong with this woman. She's tripping. You know, I just didn't understand what was going on here um, until I just remember sitting under Pastor Eric. And he was just kind of like, dude, you're killing your wife. And I'm like, why? And he was just like, because you keep reminding her of who she ain't instead of who she is. And I was like, word. I would never get that. Never got that being out in the world on my own. No matter how much I study, I could have got a degree in husband the bomb university, right? But it wasn't until sitting under gifted leaders and being part of a local body that I was able that our marriage was able to have a breakthrough. And so the equipping of the saints, right? A unity of faith and knowledge, maturity, right? Um, and their conformity to the image of Christ. Follow me as I follow the example of Christ, as Paul said. And we are, and so how long do a pastor, how long do the evangelist, how long do the shepherd do this? Well, until Christ comes back. And there will be a time where when Christ comes back, where we will be fully mature, where we'll be fully um, uh, uh, conformed to the image of Christ. But for now, we labor. And so what is the posture of this labor? Well, first of all, go to verse 14. Now, why do we need gifted leaders? Right? So that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Before we are before we were Christians, we were kind of I don't think we really got tossed around because we was kind of stuck on silly. So we just blindly followed what the world said. So they taught us what it was to be. A man, what it was to be a woman, what it is to be black, what it is to be white. Like all these things, they taught us what to be. And, you know, and I, I probably say this every time I get up here, but the world, the reason why we need to be out there preaching and not scared for people to call us preachy, right, is because that's what the, that's what the world does. 
24-7 is preaching, is giving us their gospel. See, that's gospel, but it's not the good news. It's the bad news, so I made a new word, right? <laughs> right? So they're preaching us their gospel. They're preaching us their like ideal of good news and their ideal of human flourishing, right? And so we're getting this all the time. So there was a time where we just followed it and we just ate it up, right? We just ate it up and we were just following the crowd. But now we're we're awakened and we're kind of like, yo, um, all right. So I hear what you're saying here about... Um, I don't feel like getting into a controversy. Um, gender, I did it. All right. So I hear what you're saying about gender, gender and identity and like all this other stuff. But this is what I'm seeing in the scripture. Or let me go back historically. And I said I wasn't going to bring anything about race, but I guess I am. Or even historically where there was a time where you had um, it was black folks, white folks living together, chilling and then. You know, of course, you know, um, uh, America wanted to um, build their kingdom on the backs of Africans. And so what did they do? It was just like, yo, um, they really not humans. I know you've been rocking with them and getting married and doing it. Just not, they're lesser than you, right? This was uh, a deceitful skin, a scheme by cunning humans, right? Or let's take it to even abortion. There was a time where we understood that life begins at conception, that there was a baby. But what happened? Deceitful, cunning people began to say, no, it's not. You see, the thing is, is that there's so much out there to toss us back and to toss us forward. There's so many things that's going to challenge us and have us thinking. And as Christians, we got to be rooted in the truth. And you notice that the men that he gave us, the giftings were all dealing with the word, a word ministry, a strong word ministry to keep us rooted in the truth. Because if we're not rooted in the truth, that's when we're going to be gullible. That's when we're just going to be tossed here and fray. And that's when we're going to start not living in unity. You know, that's what we see going on in America, right? This, this ideal of race. And because we can't get across as a church to really deal with it because we're still buying those doctrines of years and years and years ago is, is so in our DNA that it's hard for us to break through. And what you see rather, and what you see is Satan is really taking advantage of that. You know, Satan read this epistle. Satan read this letter, right? Satan was there at Pentecost. He was there when it was issues of race and culture going on in the scripture. And he was just kind of like, got him. Got him. I'm going to just keep doing this on loop. I'm going to just keep putting this on replay and doing it over and over again. And he just got to church. Just all over the place. And so while the world is trying and our community is trying to see their communities transform, beginning with their cells, we're kind of like, you know, backpedaling because we're trying to figure out what does that do? How does that look inside the body of Christ? Now, family, I don't know how to fix this on a local level, right? I don't know how to fix this on a national level. But I praise the Lord for local assemblies because we don't have to carry that reputation that we see out there in the world. And we don't have to get tossed to and fro. We could deal with those issues that is tossing every man back and forth. And we could just sit here, look at the truth of scripture. And because we love one another, 
because we are, are using our gifts, because we're all on the same page, seeking to see each one of us mature in the faith, seeing each one of us grow and flourish. And we go to the next scripture. Right. Rather speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. Oh, I keep kind of cut off. All right. And so, again, it's about love. As as your leaders speak, we're not speaking as drill sergeants. Right. Um, Where it's like commands. How many of you ever been in the military? Right. There wasn't a lot of love coming from the drill sergeant. He was just like, do it or see what happened. Right. Um, and I know sometimes that can happen even in the church, because that's another thing that we've been dealing with in the body of Christ is really, you know, harsh leadership. But what we're doing is, is that we are speaking the truth of God and love, which is so lacking when it comes to those topics. I mentioned abortion. I mentioned gender. Right. Those are really sensitive, tough topics that oftentimes when we talk about them is kind of God made Adam and Eve, not Adam and Steve. You've seen those bumper stickers. Or we can just condemn the mother or whatever. But when we're talking about building the body of Christ and we're talking about truth, that we have to do it also in love. And the beautiful thing about it as you are growing in community, as you have submit yourself to godly leadership, as you have submitted to one another in the congregation, that ability to love should grow in capacity. Like your capacity to love should grow. Do you see that happening in your life? You see, one of the things about this scripture is that the leadership is equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry. And what that means is, is again, that we are all responsible for one another. We are all each other's keeper. That is not about us um, in our quiet times, you know, having these beautiful quiet times where we're getting in the word and we, we're knowing God and we're growing in holiness, but we're kind of isolated, you know. It's not about that. It's about us taking responsibility for one another. You know, you think about all the, the one another's in scripture, and I'll just read through a few of them. It says, do not lie to each other. Bear with each other. Admonish one another. Make your love increase and overflow for each other. Love each other. Encourage each other. Man, it says encourage each other and love each other so many times. Don't grumble against each other. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. Love one another deeply from the heart. Live in harmony with one another. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Love one another, love one another, love one another, love one another, right? As your leaders, what we're doing is we're spending this time over the next few months, and you heard Leon mentioned it, and I think Nate mentioned it a little bit in his sermon, that we're really, like, taking our response. Well, we always took our responsibility to equip the saints to do the work of the ministry, but what we're doing now is after 11 years, we're like, man, like, how are we doing in our equipping the saints to do the work of the ministry? And when you did that survey, we were actually asking you to critique us. Right. Did y'all catch that? Like, it might be a little hard for me to be like, how I'm doing. You'd be like, uh, good. <laughs> Awkward. Right. But with this this survey, you know, really what you were doing, and we appreciate it, and we had a, a record turnout of surveys um, being filled out. But what you were doing was you were critiquing our leadership. 
And some of it was a little tough, right? I'm still in my feelings. No, no, no. But it was good and it was helpful. And we love you and, and we desire as leaders to be able to, uh, to grow in our abilities to care and to love and to equip you. But I also want to say, Dyke, like, you need to also examine yourselves. We can put together the dopest church structure ever, right? The best programs, just perfect. Like, all your little desires of your hearts, we can have it all for you, right? But if you're not doing the work of the ministry, we're not going to go anywhere. That's how important you are to this ministry. And so what I would love for you to do is take time to like examine yourselves. Just Google uh, one another scriptures, right? And... Actually, I got a list here. May I put that up? Well, maybe we get it out there. Um, oh, no, I didn't put it. No, never mind. No, you did great, Jenny. All right. Um, to Google the one another scriptures and just go through them, right? Ask yourself, how well am I one anothering? How well am I, like, how how important is the maturing of this body to me. Right? When I go to Mac group, do I just have good attendance? Or am I really like bearing the burdens of my brothers and my sisters? You know, I just, you know, like when we hear the prayer requests and you hear people struggling with anxiety or depression, or dealing with a death in the family. Like, what does it look like to carry that burden? Right? Maybe it looked like to go get a book and study depression or anxiety. Right? Make that a part of your your Bible study. Say, you know what? A few of my Mac group members, a few of my action group members. They, they're struggling with anxiety. You know what I'm going to do? I'm going I'm to learn how to minister into anxiety. You know, well, my wife, I struggle with depression at times. And my wife, you know, she kind of struggled like, I don't know how to deal with you. And I'm like, I don't know how to deal with myself sometimes. But the most beautiful thing she could do is, like, learn me. And then and we're learning one another together to deal with our outages. So whatever she may struggle with, I can minister into it. And whatever I'm struggling with, she can minister into it. And, and so, but how does that look like on a mad group level? Because here's the thing. If it's happening here, it's happening in the world. And again, everybody is going, they're going to Ayana Van Zant, They're going to Oprah. They're going to... I, just a bunch of the Charlemagne, right? They're just going through to all these people with their pain and their problems. And I'm like, yo, I save so much money on counseling and therapy by being a part of a, a, a great congregation. Amen. And so, again, examine how you are one anothering with one another. And so that when we come and present to you, you know, what the Lord has given to us as leaders, as our time together about culture. And then it's like, y'all been examining yourselves and working it out in Mad group. And it's like, yo, we're going to take this whole thing to a whole nother level. Amen. All right. Next scripture. I forgot I had another scripture. All right. 16. From whom the whole body joined and held together uh, by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. Again, I actually 
just broke that scripture down. I kind of jumped the gun. But everything I just said about uh, loving one another and caring for one another and being important, um, they go to evidence. Now, you believe me? All right. And what I love about this, this passage of scripture, it just talks about the body. And we all get the body. How many ever stump your toe? Right. Or bang your, ne- uh, your thumb. Brain freeze. I mean, those are like, the, well, you just you had everything, right? When you, when that happens to you, everything shuts down, right? I'm good because I'm greedy and I could get thirsty. So I'm always brain freezing, right? And so I'll, I'll drink my slush or my cold Coke and I get the brain freeze and it just, everything shuts down and I just, uh, right? And I feel like, I'm about to go on to glory. Right. And then two seconds later, I do it again. (laughs) I don't know. I may have to use that in another. (laughs) Just falling right back into the same stuff. But anyway, but this imagery of like a body, we all have our, um, like I said, we all have our gifts. We all have our responsibility. We all have something that we need to be doing in this body. And the fact that you get a gift from the Lord and that he gives it, that he perfectly measure it out. And then he brought you to this local congregation. That means there's something you have to offer. Now, some of you are like, well, how do I find out what my gifting is? Right. Now, there are certain people or there are certain, um, you know, there's the spiritual gift inventories you can find online. I personally don't like those um, because it doesn't know you. Right. It's hard to kind of go online to figure out who you are. And a lot of times nobody wants the gift of helps. So you're going to try to make sure you're a pastor or teacher by the end. And you could kind of tell where the question is going. Am I the only arrogant one here today? It's like, oh, y'all like, I'm a prophet. I'm a teacher. Like, no, you're not. All right. All right. Right. And so then, but what happens is sometimes that we begin to diminish the, the gift of helps. That's a spiritual gift. The gift of helps and service. And and, uh, and I'm going to tell you how important those gifts are is because they talk about most churches, 20% of the people do 40% of the work, right? And just imagine if 60% of the people did the work, right? And for those who are equipped, equipped, who've been gifted to serve, um, who've been, um, whether you, you get the gift of service or the gift that helps and it balances out with your talent. Like, how does that just really enhance the kingdom? You, you love to help and you can cook, right? Man, they go in ministry. You love to help and you got great writing skills, Boom. Right. You love to help and you can work technology. You know, so any again, so I didn't want to diminish the help. Sometimes I do that in my jokes. But anyway, and just wrapping it up. So. And so, again, family, if you want to, we're all responsible for one another. You got it. And if you really want to know what your spiritual gift is. Be obedient to being responsible for one another. As you're doing life, it'll become more clear who you are as far as your giftings. Just be obedient and the Lord will do everything else. I promise you. Right. So as you're loving and you're just caring and you're just doing your thing, if you're a teacher That'll that'll begin to come out. If you are an exhorter, meaning that you just have a way to be able to break down scripture in a way where it just encourage, that'll that'll come out. 
You know, if um, you evangelist, right? And you just get frustrated with everybody because they don't witness enough for you. <laughs> right? You, that, that, that becomes clearer. But as you're doing life, submit to your leadership. As we are equipping the body to do the work. And you're going out there doing the work. And we're trusting in our risen Savior to bring the increase. We're going to see our community transform beginning with our own. Amen. All right. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, we just thank you for allowing us to, Lord, to be a body, to be a local assembly and a a local expression of who you are in the 48214. And Lord, as we've been here serving and, and loving one another, Lord, we know that as a church, I don't feel like we're immature, but we can definitely continue to mature and grow. And Lord, in this season, Lord, would you bring a major increase in maturity Lord, would you just give us just a burden for one another, a passion to just love and care for each other? Lord, I pray that we would just embrace the call uh, that we all have to mature in this church. And Lord, I pray that you would just continue to give us as leaders insight and wisdom so we could create an environment where people can flourish. And Lord, I pray that the community will see this body and see the way that we love one another. And Lord, that they will draw that and then it's your goodness and your love will bring them to repentance. And Lord, we love you, we honor you, and may you and you alone receive all the glory. Amen.